Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the feasts and festivals of ancient societies. And we'll look a little bit at Israel, but I want people to understand that those feasts and festivals were not unique to the Israel that we see recorded in the Bible. They were around for a long time, and they were a part of the social structure and, and social interaction. And they had real uh, financial, emotional purposes in society. Now, this morning we talked about Erickson's uh, stages in uh, the theory of uh, psychological development, and he he categorized them according to age, where in infancy you're learning basic trust and mistrust uh, conflict and learning to trust someone else. And if if you're raised by parents that actually are there for you and take care of you and do a good job and don't abuse you, you will have a much better opportunity of having a trust relationship with other people. I saw something the other night and uh, said that individual is going to have trust issues <laughs> because someone betrayed them uh, at a very early age. And that's the case. But there is a cure for that. You're not condemned to be someone with trust issues just because someone did not treat you well as a child. If you forgive them, you can get better. And I've, I've told a story about the little boy from Bulgaria or Romania. I can't even remember where it was from now. But, uh, you know, he was abandoned by his mother, uh, probably because of alcohol or drugs or whatever, and turned over to an orphanage and just grew up in a crib with another guy in the crib uh, until he was about two or three and could finally teach himself to walk. And, and then he was in the orphanage till he was about five. And then he was adopted by American parents who had never seen him before. And... He grew to be a very big fellow. By the time he was 14, he was towering over his parents, who were very short people. And he became a juvenile delinquent at one point. He was great at first. But all of a sudden, he became a very angry juvenile delinquent. Went to psychologists, had to be put in private schools. They had to hire a guard to protect the parents because he had tried to kill people by the time he was 12 and 14 years of age. And uh, suddenly... Psychologist said, well, he's never been nurtured. Back there in that age of zero to one and one to three, what they call early childhood by Erickson, they were, they had trust issues and they were locked up in a, there was a triggering moment as he was growing and I've told this in the story, you'll just have to go back and find it somewhere in the archives, but, uh, cause I'm not gonna go through that whole story again, but they said he wasn't nurtured. And so you need to nurture them. And so they literally started to do that. And, uh, you know, I mean, literally they had to sit together. This is one of the, the bizarre pictures. They had to sit together, mother and father, sit together to form a lap big enough for this boy to sit on. The, the, the difference in size was quite a bit. To feed him ice cream while they sat on his lap. Now, you know, he wasn't angry all the time. But he had these tremendous outbreaks of anger and violence and 
and uh, was uncontrollable. And that, like I said, they sent him to private schools and all kinds of things trying to deal with these issues. And he came home in police cars on a regular basis. So, but when they started nurturing him, in an almost childlike fashion, and there's other therapies they do, you know, birthing therapies and all this kind of thing uh, that psychologists try. And sometimes they work. But I tell you, the key element is the love. And this is what he says later. He became a model child, a model young man, graduating with honors in high school and everything. Complete 180 degree turnaround. It's as if he cast out the demons with love. And, of course, that's how you do it when you cast out demons. I've dealt with demons <laughs> once, one form or another. Uh, sometimes it's kind of spooky even for me, but uh, but love is the key. So, right now, we look at what's going on. I was looking at a video just actually just moments before I went on the air. And uh, it was a discussion between uh, Amanda Vollmer... And Andrew Kaufman, and you probably find Andrew Kaufman's uh, website. It's a long one. I don't have time to watch the whole thing, but somebody sent it to me. Somebody had seen it. And uh, I made some comments there on their video. Nobody, I seem to have stopped the conversation. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, uh, I do that often because I add something, you know, I, I go to, on these places where there's long strings of conversation and people talking about this and making comments and and you got your trolls and everybody else and I make a comment and it all stops. Nobody says anything after that. I, what the heck? I was trying to get in on the conversation. <laughs> but I, I kind of hit the nail on the head and if you're a good carpenter you don't have to hit it more than once or twice at the most and the nail is down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyway, I, I first, when I was a little kid, I saw a carpenter doing that. He would just tap that 16-penny nail at the end of the board. Just tap it so it would stand there and then whack. And it was all the way in. And tap it and whack. I thought, boy, I'd like to be able to do that someday. Well, I've done that for years now. And uh, I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. Although I may be doing it next month sometime. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is that... Uh, we're being born again or we're dying in the institutions that we have made for ourselves. And, you know, I've talked a lot about the coronavirus and the idea of viruses and the idea of uh, natural immunity and and exosomes. And, and Andrew Kaufman talked about a lot of these things. And he's right about many of his conclusions. I would add a little bit more here and there, maybe say things a little bit different than Andrew does. But... Uh, uh, he's definitely looked into it, and he's he's willing to look outside the bubble of information. What's happened is people have shrank the bubble, and now if you don't wear masks, you're trying to kill people, and there, there's no way to hurt immunity except through a vaccination, which is ridiculous. I mean, we've gone through herd immunity in one disease after another for thousands of years. Even polio was eradicated not by vaccine, but by herd immunity, and we could show you that on CDC information that polio is around today mostly because of the vaccine. That uh, it's it's simply a matter of good health practices and you should not have a problem with polio. I mean, 95% of the people got it back in the, in the days of the big polio epidemics. 95% of the people got it never even knew they had it because it went through them so fast. And it was disappearing before they came out with a vaccine. 
And what the vaccine did is introduce an SV40 uh, simian uh, monkey virus into the human uh, population and to the, the blood on the street, so to speak. And that has killed millions of people through cancer and, and other things. And I just add a little bit more to that so that people can understand that and how that works. But that's 94 million people are infected with this simian virus. And I can show you, uh, and that's stated on the CDC website. And I can show you studies that show that it is causing massive amounts of uh, tumors and cancers in the human population. And it is one of the major health threats. That's just from the simian virus. Nothing to not even talk about the mercury and all the other. And it, you, you can go listen to Kennedy Jr. Or if you want to hear somebody who's really outspoken, Shiva. Now, there's lots of people who talk about the problem with vaccines. And uh, it's not. I'm not vaccine hesitant. I'm just not stupid. Because I've actually looked at the science, including the CDC website, which will actually give you all the information you really need to know. You don't even have to go to anybody radical, but you have to actually read it. But that's not, again, what we're going to be talking about. And a few of the things that in the discussion with Amanda and Dr. Kaufman is uh, came up is uh, this idea of uh, correcting your status. And becoming free individuals. Uh, to enjoy your God-given rights. Your inalienable rights. Well, that's what Christ was all about. That's what Moses was all about. Setting the people free. And I remember at the beginning of the movie Moses, the question was asked by Cecil B. DeMille, who made the movie. And I don't agree with the movie entirely, but uh, uh, it was a movie. What was it, 1954? I saw it when I was a pretty little kid. Not very old, anyway. And uh, I remember when he came out on the stage in the movie, this is unusual enough as it is, and asked the question, are men the property of the state or are they free souls under God? That is a profound question. I heard it there at my very young age and I remembered it for years and years and now I've incorporated it in some of our books and uh, many of the articles because we answer the question, are men the property of the state? Well, they weren't meant to be the property of the state. They were meant to be free souls under God. But they can become property of the state. But they can also, if they learn what they need to learn, and that's what Christ was teaching, that's what Moses was teaching, most people don't get it. And one of the things that, uh, that uh, uh, if I remember her name, it's not her original name, she spells it a little bit different. Uh, Amanda. Oh, I see. I know why she spells it different. Uh Amanda Vollmer, and uh, she has H.A. at the end. In their conversation and talking about these things and trying to figure out, you know, they, they talk about tribes and they talk about uh, common interests and they talk about uh, being mature and, and all these things. Well, of course, going back to our conversation this morning and, you know, what culture is and culture is this accumulated knowledge. Well, a lot of the knowledge that people have accumulated just ain't so. And so we we talked about those steps that uh, Erickson categorized as a sociologist and psychologist. And that basic trust is the first thing you have to get. So think of this in the terms of being born again. You're a full-grown adult, but you're being born again. Not awoke, but awakened. 
you need to develop, and you want to seek the kingdom. Now, the kingdom is not a little congregation. It's not even a little tribe. I mean, the kingdom of God back in those days was 12 tribes. And if people actually understood where the Israelites were, they were all over the place. There were 12 basic tribes in the land we today call Israel. But Israelites were all over. They were the sea kings. They were all over the place. They they traveled all over the world, really, before they were done. And they called themselves a lot of things. Uh, Issachs and Jutes. And they got all kinds of names labeled on them. But basically, they had to do these same things, maturing in this new life that they got after they came out of the bondage of Egypt. I mean, what was the bondage of Egypt? 20% of everything that you labored to produce had to go to the government. So basically what they were talking about, one-fifth is 20% income tax. The rest of the time, you could work for yourself. There actually became a, uh, through crafts of state, that's one translation, they got to the point that people were casting out their children before they were timely generated. In other words, born. There was abortion. And even an infanticide. And this was because, why was this happening? Well, I could go into all the details that we have on other radio programs. But basically, the the oppression of this system. And originally they entered into it clearly by a contract. They sold everything they had because of the famine. And they, they weren't ready for the famine because they had been jealous of their brother. And they sold their brother into slavery. So they themselves were sold into slavery. That This is cause and effect. Uh, correlation is not causation. But we do live in a cause and effect universe. So they went into bondage. Now, 400 years later, they're still in bondage. They want to come out. And finally, God hears their cries. And there's a reason why he doesn't hear their cry for a long time. Because they had some lessons to learn. But now, at this point, they were many of them were starting to learn that lesson. And so, God sent a redeemer in, in, through an arrangement. And there's actual natural law event that is taking place when Moses comes. The same thing was taking place when Jesus Christ came. That Jesus Christ was like a Moses. Of course, now, the kingdom of God, which was Israel, that's they called themselves the kingdom of God. They had David as king. That was the second king. Solomon screwed up because he actually imposed a tax on the people. He forced an offering. And so, therefore, his kingdom would not stand and he was not going to have an heir to the throne. So, it ended up passing to David. But then, David had problems with keeping the law. (laughs) Keeping common sense and just and right and fair. Stole another man's wife. Tried to have the man put to death or or die. And uh, because of that, his kingdom was all screwed up. And he had no heir to the throne. And so, he ended up having... Uh, Solomon ended up taking the throne and Solomon broke every rule in the book and then Solomon's son was Rehoboam and he comes up with a campaign speech my father whipped you with the whips and I shall whip you with scorpions well now this is hundreds of years into this new government which was not a kingdom there was no king in Israel for hundreds of years and each man did what was right in his own eyes which works really good if what is right in your eyes is actually right. <laughs> it's not right because you think it's right. It's either right or it's not right. 
You have an opinion, I have an opinion, but God, the creator of the universe, his opinion is reality. If your opinion does not conform to his opinion, you're going to have a problem. I don't have a problem with you. You can have your opinion. You're welcome to it. Freedom of speech, all that stuff, freedom of action. But you're going to have a problem if you don't agree with the DNA of God, the pattern of God. The right reason of God. That's what natural law is sometimes defined as right reason. It's also defined as divine will. Now, lots of people have come along and tried to tell you that this is divine will and that is divine will. And I, I have my opinion of it. But my opinion does not change what is true. The more you find out what is true, the better off you will be. The more you follow what is true, the safer off you will be. And so, that is a process of growth. So, back to being the infancy of being born again. To awaken. To suddenly realize that there, there is a way out of this bubble. You're coming not only out of the womb, but out of the sack. <laughs> and now you're going to breathe the air. This important thing, God created man and he breathed into him. Jesus came out of the tomb and he's... And he breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So now you're beginning to wake up and realize that there's a problem. Something's rotten in Denmark. No offense to Denmark. Uh, but there's something going on that's not right. And we talked about that on a lot of the previous programs and explained what's actually going on behind the scenes. But now you're, you want to grow and mature. In this new idea, in this new revelation, this new understanding, this awakening, this new birth. And and that's what I see with Kaufman. He was somebody willing to look outside the, the bubble. I really don't know too much about Amanda. Uh, Sar just, you know, like I didn't make it all the way through the video. But she looks like somebody who's trying to explore. And she realizes some things and trying to put words on them and talk to a lot of different people and... And has a certain personal sense about things. But how far it goes, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I'm on this journey alone. But like I said, if we're talking about a kingdom, you have to be on this journey alone together with others. It's about individually seeking this common spirit of creation. This common spirit of life. You know, you go on all the other planets that we can see, at least uh, that they've been finding, they thought they'd find life everywhere. They're not finding very much life everywhere else. There may be life other places, I don't know. But they're finding surprisingly that it's very difficult for life to exist. But on this planet, you can't hardly go anywhere without finding life. You can go out in the middle of the Sahara Desert and see sand dunes everywhere. And you may not realize it, but way underneath the, some of the sand dunes, there are plants growing <laughs> in the dark of the sand, crushed under the sand. But as that sand blows away, they may see the light of day for, for days, for weeks, for months. And then they'll be covered up by sand again, and they stay alive while they're buried. <laughs> it's kind of like the mummy. But uh, so you go into the Arctic, underneath the ice, frozen solid in the water, there's bacteria growing. In your body, there are millions of exosomes being produced. Of course, they're not really independent life, but they're being produced by millions and billions of cells in your own body. What is that life everywhere? But 
that is because of this creative force that exists in the universe. You can call it all kinds of names, Yahweh, whatever, the existing one. But the reality is, to start to awaken to that, you will start to notice something is wrong everywhere else. Now, you can be pointing the fingers and blaming everything on everybody else, or you can find out why I didn't see this sooner. Is there more to see? This is the one-year-old child. You begin by building trust. One thing that Christ... and So now these people are talking about intentional communities, tribal groups, campfires. They're using these phrases in their description. All of which I understand. You know, I've read the White Pine Peace Treaty, which was based around campfires and why it was and what they were doing and how it was distorted. And we've got articles up on that. And it's important to know these things, but really important is to attach yourself to that spirit that giveth life. Because then you don't have to memorize all the stuff. You don't have to have be a great memorizer of facts and information. It will be written in your heart and written in your mind by that spirit. This is what Christ was talking about. This is what Moses was talking about. Moses and Christ were 100% in agreement. Christ was just a little bit better at it than Moses. But they were 100% in agreement. They were preaching the exact same kingdom. They didn't change. Christ didn't change anything except he became priest, high priest and king. But not to rule over you because Christ was preaching in anarchy. I heard Kaufman say that's without leaders. No, an anarchy is not without leaders. An anarchy, and I'm sure he'll agree with me on this, is without rulers. Because that's what RK means, is ruler. No ruler. So, anarchy is no rulers. You still may have leaders, but you just don't have to follow them. And you always have that in any group. You'll have some people that, you know, if I want advice on mechanic work, I'll ask one of my sons. If I want advice on uh, road building, I might ask my other son. you know, if I want advice on cooking or gardening, I'll ask one of my daughters or daughters-in-law because they know they're leaders in those fields. I don't have to do what they say. And this is the key, is that each of us must grow where we're planted with the skills that we are given. So anyway, but Christ said, Moses said, Jethro said, Jacob said, to organize yourselves in these small cell groups. I mean, that's because that's the way it is in the body. That's the way it is in a flock of sheep. And I've shown this, taking pictures of our sheep. They don't usually organize in groups of ten. They organize more in groups of seven. That seems to be the common number among sheep. But people, they organize in groups of ten for the purposes of society. And it's a voluntary society. It's an intentional society. But there are certain aspects of it that are really important. And I'm not going to go into them in this show because we want to get to the feast. But it's this idea of building trust. That's the beginning. At the same time, almost at the same time, between the ages of one and three, he said autonomy. That you have to develop autonomy, develop trust, but also autonomy. The the next... uh, stage was initiative the next stage after that was industry and the next stage when you're finally reaching the age of majority was identity you begin to know who you are know what your values are then you can move into intimacy if you don't develop your own identity you won't get to intimacy not real intimacy 
because you'll get lost in the relationship, who you are. And we see this with narcissists and sociopaths all the time. They're always narcissists and sociopaths seem to like to gather together and get mixed up with each other. That's not intimacy. <laughs> that, that's a that's a vampire relationship that will suck the life out of each of you and keep you from going to the next stage, which is generativity, which is when you start caring about others and your other generations more, or at least as much as you care about yourself. But this is the progression of the human mind and body, because the, wherever the mind goes, the body will follow. In order to do this, and following the first commandment of Christ, first commandment of John the Baptist, and really what Moses was talking about, which is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, rather than the kingdoms of the world and their wages of unrighteousness. And in order to do that, you as an individual have to come together with others. You can you can go it alone if you want, but we may never hear of you again. <laughs> so you're seeking this kingdom, this this government uh, of voluntary lovers of the Creator and lovers of that power of life that has made so much life on this planet. And the way Christ said to do this, and the only time He commanded anybody, was He commanded His ministers to make the people sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, He wasn't going to divide them up it's telling his ministers, now you tell these ten people they have to be together, and you tell these ten people you have. You got five thousand families there, and you're dividing them up into tens, hundreds, and thousands. How are you going to do that? They have to voluntarily do that. That's you. You start to develop trust. Now he didn't do this until well into his ministry, but then all of a sudden he said, "This is what you need to do." They, there wasn't going to be any loaves and fishes until they did that. This is similar to the White Pine Peace Treaty, too. This is similar to the Teutons, like I say, and the Jutes, and all of them were doing this for thousands. It's, it's the most common form of government throughout the history of man. It can move away from voluntary if you're not careful. And I, I've given lots of stories showing you how certain people have these voluntary societies that were invincible until they turned on themselves. What we see in the streets today is people turning on themselves. People burning down their own neighborhoods. Destroying their own neighborhoods. Destroying things and cheering because that somehow they're serving the spirit of destruction, not the creator. And they may be just confused. I'm not condemning them. Uh, that their own actions will condemn them if they don't change the way they're thinking. And if you don't change the way you're thinking, you won't change the way you're living. If you don't change the way you're living, many people will die. So anyway, we can't change everybody else, but we can be changed by that force of life moving in us. And so Christ commanded that the people sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. This was the beginning of trust. They had to take care. There was a shortage of food in the community. And probably not so much in the whole community, but amongst some people there was. Certainly amongst the apostles there was a shortage of food. And they said you had to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And Jesus sitting there waiting for them to do it. 5,000 people. I don't know how long it took. It could have been days. This is probably Feast of Tabernacles. And so they had all week. 
<laughs> I'll be here all week, Jesus says. That's what you have to do. And eventually they got there. And then he took out food to eat for himself and broke it and gave it all away. And next thing you know, there was enough food for everybody. What happened? Well, we've talked about this before. But this, he was bringing the true message of the festivals. I've told the story about somebody who is a brilliant guy. Very smart. Could get all kinds of facts and read all kinds of history. Uh, read the Old Testament and everything. And wanted to have a Feast of Tabernacles. I know somebody who went and attended. He's attended out here. And he said that it was just shocking what they did. They were going to, you know, kill the sheep and do the Passover. They cooked the sheep with the hide on. They never gutted it out. They never cleaned out the intestines. And actually, if you read in the text, in the Hebrew anyway, you can tell that that's what they're doing. They clean out the intestines and then they put the intestines back in without all the feces. It's all washed up and clean. And the reason they put it back in is there's lots of fats in there. And then as it roasts, those fats... Are, are permeating throughout the meat and keeping the meat from getting too dry. Long story. But the point is, they didn't do that. Well, I can tell you what would happen. That sheep is going to explode in every direction. <laughs> because it's just physics. They miss that. But it really isn't about the sheep. It isn't about piling up stones. We've explained all that, what the altars really were. The altars were living altars from the beginning. They were not dead rocks piled up. The killing of sheep, the letting of the blood, wasn't about the blood of the sheep. It's about your blood. You sacrifice some of yourself for others. Why are you sacrificing some of yourself? Because people fall on hard times. This is what religion was. Religion was defined for hundreds and hundreds of years. They, they change it back and forth from time to time. You can usually tell when you're headed for the destruction of your society when they change it back to what we have today. Religion today is supposed to be what you believe about God. So you could be a Christian, you could be a Buddhist, you could be a this, you could be that. And that's fine. Because that's what you believe about God, that's your religion. That's not the definition of religion. For thousands of years, that was. that's not the de- definition of the Greek word threskia. Threskia is what you do. Religion defined just 200 years ago was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. What your, God doesn't need your help. But your duty to your fellow man is to care about your fellow man as much as you care about yourself. Not just your little isolated little group because we're talking kingdom. You have to care about your congregation and the next congregation as much as you care about yours. This takes us to this generativity where you're not just caring about your children but the next generation. And therefore you must care about the generation of your neighbor as much as you care about your generation. This is very important. That you have this bigger picture of caring about others as much as you care about yourself. Because this is the lifeblood of a free society. Without that, you have no free society. And so... We have something called the Burning Bush Festival. We've had it here every year for a number of years. I don't know how far back we go. Probably 10 years at least. I see here there's video from 2012. And I believe there was video before that. That's when we were first setting up the Kumbaya station. And there's somebody meeting in a yurt. You see the picture there. You can go to burningbushfestival.org. And this year it will be on September 5th and 7th. Now... 
we're probably going to extend that for a whole week eventually. But we're going to have to do it according to the rules of the festivals of ancient times. Because what we've done a lot of times, I mean, we've we've done a lot of experimenting and a lot of processing and figuring out how this all works as I was studying and writing all this stuff. All our books are free online. All our audios are free online. You, there's no secret, secret password to get in. You don't have to pay for anything to see what we're talking about. But if you're coming to the festival, you should come with your own food, your own tent, your own supplies, and not be a burden to anybody else. <laughs> and uh, I heard mention of the rainbow people, or at least some rainbow group. I know it's not a homogeneous group, and I've... I've dealt with some rainbow people. I've actually had some people that were traveling with the rainbow people staying here several times. And uh, they were fine. But I can also tell you that some of the people that travel under that name of rainbow people are not as mature as they ought to be. (laughs) They cause lots and lots of problems and lots and lots of difficulties. I mean, they're actually as dangerous as, as almost as a tyrant. But, uh, so, I mean, it is, I don't want to deal in labels. And so, even though we have this Burning Bush Festival, which is not the Feast of Tabernacles, but fashioned after the Feast of Tabernacles, people should come ready to take care of their own needs, at the same time come to share with others. And we're not going to go into the whole thing, but if you go there, you can also go to preparingyou.com. And we have articles on the feasts, and we point out that the the feasts where everybody, no matter where you had your house, it might be a stone house, it might be a wood house, whatever in Israel, for one week out of the year, at least one week out of the year, everybody moved to a some central location that was moving about, would be in a different tribal area every year. Uh, and there was a reason for that. We won't go into all those details. I have other audios on the feasts. And they would set up this tabernacle, which was just a big tent. And all the people would set up their tents all the way around, based on the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And they would camp out for a week. This was very important to strengthening the whole of society, both emotionally and psychologically and physically, and uh, in case of foreign invasion and all these sorts of things. And that can still apply today. And so the first line I say on this one page were the feasts of Israel about faith or fun? Well, the truth is, for those who love God, faith is fun. <laughs> so, Or were they a part of a national system of FEMA, which we refer to as Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary. Instead of looking to the government to save you in time of crisis, you look to one another. In order to do that, you have to be organized. This is what it's all about. In order to be organized, you need to develop trust. So you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, not because you like these guys or they have your vision of things, but because they might have God's vision of life everlasting. From generation to generation, the kingdom of God remembers from generation to generation. And so if you don't like the term kingdom of God, the kingdom of the creator, the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom, I don't care what label you put on them. Well, I'm using God in the sense of that divine force that has moved life and creation into being. There is some sort of intelligent design. That's pretty obvious. How you want to break it down, because remember religion, 
is not what you think about God, as it says in the dictionary today. Religion is how you love one another. The fulfillment, the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. If God is a giver of life, your duty to God is to be a giver of life. So anyway, now this is all pretty simple and uh, I'm already halfway through this show, but uh, we we go through a number of things in Matthew. It says this, people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, I go through and, you know, on this particular page, there's probably a hundred or more links. Maybe I'm looking down, I'm seeing probably 200 links <laughs> to other articles, you know, about pure religion, exercising authorities. The benefactors were not to be like, you know, the benefactors of the Gentiles, the governments of the Gentiles who exercised authority one over the other. People, Kaufman talks about how we got into this state a little bit. I mean, it's a video and he's not defining, I don't know how much he knows. Uh, but the reality is that it says right in the New Testament that we will become merchandise through our covetous practices. We will curse our children. We will become sureties of debt because uh, that our desire for the wages of unrighteousness. What is that? The rewards of unrighteousness. It's also translated in the same Bible, in the same translation, in another place, the same Greek words are translated rewards of unrighteousness. What are those? Benefits that are provided by men who exercise authority. They don't give you anything except what they take away from your neighbor. That is what they're talking about when they say, in the New Testament, be careful you do not bite one another, lest ye be devoured. Coffin's waking up and feels devoured, feels subject, wants to be free, and people are offering this change of status. And I hear in their conversation that they see more than they realize they see, or maybe they're saying a little bit, you know, again, I understand it's a video, it's not a in-detail conversation. I invite them out here, we'll have a detail conversation. I don't get out very much, I've got a lot of work to do here. But we're having the festival in September, so you can come to that, and so can other people. But they need to prepare to take care of themselves and not become a burden to others. We used to do all the cooking. We still do most of it. <laughs> uh, but we get more people involved when they come. It isn't that we're not a vacation resort. Although we're, we're now in that position of making this bigger and bigger and we're all over the place. But people have to learn to develop that trust. So once you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you can't just leave. It's like getting married, except not. <laughs> You know, whenever they talked about getting married, and the Bible uses this metaphor of, you know, Proverbs talks about women more than any other book of the Bible. And they're not talking about women. They're talking about wisdom. They're talking about a foolishness. Because there's the foolish woman and there's the wise woman that's more precious than a ruby. They're, they're equating it to the fact. And so you make a covenant. He, he talks about uh, social compacts. That you, you get into these social compacts. And I've written a whole book on that. Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. Oh, well, actually, the, probably the first one you would want to read before that one is uh, the Covenants of the Gods. But uh, And I'm not going to go into explaining all that, but uh, that's free online, too. 
I mean, we can give you a hard copy, but uh, I, I have to charge you for that. But you can download it online and read it there. And we have it in many different formats. And so you can search it. You know, a lot of times people want to search certain topics. And so it's all available. And there's search engines on some of the pages, the PDF files. You have to search them regular. But we show you how you become merchandise, how you curse your children, how... This is a long-going process, but the real process that people need to understand, and I can't explain all that in a radio program, but we can certainly, when we do that interaction, we can learn from one another, is that our minds have been contaminated with a mental virus where we're not thinking straight. And this is why we were so easily fooled in this whole COVID thing. And why people are, you know, if you don't wear a mask, you're trying to kill people kind of attitude. They can't see. Bless their little hearts. They don't understand what's going on. And you can introduce facts to them, but facts don't matter. Um, they are stuck. And there's reason, there are chains there. Emotional, mental chains that bind them in this way of thinking. Those can be broken. They can be loosed. And that's what Christ was talking about. It's about forgiveness. It's about sacrifice, giving of yourself, laying down your life for your fellow man. It's about loyalty to people you do not even know. I mean, loyalty as far as caring for, not obeying, caring for. People you've never even seen or don't even know. You cast your bread upon the waters. No churches I know go out and cast their bread upon the waters, but the Bible's talking about that. Why aren't we doing that? Shouldn't we be throwing tortillas out there on the lake? No, because those are metaphors. But anyway, I saw in Kaufman and Amanda that they're they're certainly seeing something. How much they're seeing, you know, I only saw half of the video, so I don't know. Uh, but I've seen this with hundreds of different people, thousands of different people over the period of the last 50 years. Uh you can even say 70 years because I was seeing this when I was very young. I didn't really start putting it together until I was in my 20s and 30s. You know, it's been a progression for me and I share all this stuff free and not selling anything. Uh, although some people complain that we sell some of the books online. Like I said, you can download them and print them out yourself on your own printer. You don't even have to have the secret, secret password. But... And we allow people to copy the books. We just don't allow them to copy them and sell them. Uh, but they can copy the books. Uh, but we also say they have to copy things in their entirety so that they don't... I mean, we've had people write books and sell them in Target and they stole whole chapters of <laughs> their book out of our book, word for word, including my typos. <laughs> but uh, we caught them. But we didn't sue them. But we, it's important to us that people know where they got the information because it creates questions. To seek the truth, the whole truth, and to provide for it, there's lots of answers that people haven't got. Well, we've been accumulating the answers for years and years and years. And we recommend that everybody join the network, which is just an email network right now, but it's based on geography, so that they can learn on their own to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But they need, if they're going to develop the trust they need, they need to stay with it. 
They can't back away because it doesn't give them the good feeling that the other churches do. Because we're not here to tickle your ears. We're showing you the way. And if you look at the economy, you look at, you know, possibility of forced vaccinations and, and, um, the, the saber rattling that's going on behind the scenes and, and all these other things that are going on in the world today. I mean, we used to have seven years supply of grain in this country to last us. So if we had seven years of crop failures in a row, we would still have food. Now there isn't 30 days supply of grain in the pipeline for the whole world. 30 days. Wow. A few crop failures, bread could get expensive. So you say, well, I'll eat potatoes. Well, guess what? Potatoes can disappear too. <laughs> and the money, inflation, all these things. And I don't want to scare people because I don't want people seeking this way because of fear. Because that's not going to hold you. It's the way of life. That's what Christianity was called, the way. And people coming together, interacting with one another, can help you develop in that way. I was just explaining to somebody that, uh, you know, the viruses, you don't catch viruses, but a virus can get into you, a foreign DNA virus can get into you, and your cells can accidentally or mistakenly replicate it. If your cell keeps replicating that, your body may eventually recognize that your cells are replicating that and they will turn off that cell. There's a natural protein that your body will inject into your own cell and if that cell won't stop replicating, and usually once it gets into a cell, it's hard to get them to stop. So they just turn off that cell. Well, that's fine if you have one, two, ten, a hundred, even a thousand cells that your body has to turn off. But if you start turning off 10,000, 100,000 cells, then it's going to get difficult to breathe. <laughs> it's going to get difficult. It's going to cause problems. And then you have a cytokine reaction to this, trying to get rid of the dead cells, the toxins, the viruses. Your body is just a genius for doing this. But if you give it a late start, or you've primed yourself to receive the COVID virus, by like getting a flu shot, they know, they know that if you get a flu shot, you're 35 percent. This is their studies, not my studies. 35 percent more likely to get COVID. Well, I had COVID, uh, but I didn't have a flu shot. But I also didn't miss more than two days of work because my body was eating the right kinds of food. I mean, I'm old. I have bad lungs. Uh, right now, I've got a little bit of hay fever because I've been haying for the last week. And, uh, but the reality is, is that if you work together as a people, you'll become the Google network we could have had, except for they're censoring Google all the time. <laughs> I'm sure Kaufman's been censored. Uh, the same as those do- frontline doctors, whatever they call them, uh, Simone Gold. I, I think she's worth her weight in gold. Uh, She's outspoken and they took her website off. They, they're censoring her something fierce. And she is making sense. It's what I call kingdom tracks. Uh, homeschooling, home health, home industry. These are all kingdom tracks that are found in your life. But you want to, you don't want to stay one year old just developing trust. You, you want to go on to the other aspects of the psychological development of the culture of the kingdom.
the culture of life, you can call it that. The, the culture of creation. So you build that trust, you sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands, you make a commitment, personal commitment, because nobody's binding you, it's not a contract, to stick it out with these people, to try to help them to be their contact in your community with other people, the extended network, what we call the extended network, those people who are maybe still on the fence but have kingdom tracks in their life. You maintain your autonomy by nobody's going to motivate you. We're not going to start motivational speeches. You have to find your way in this. Uh, then you have to start taking initiative. But it's your choice. It's a voluntary society, so initiative is on your own. And I'm just going through the Erickson's list because it... It's really explaining your spiritual and therefore physical development. I'm doing pretty good for a man my age. I still outwork two 35-year-olds. But, uh, you know, I was supposed to be dead by the time I was 21. But by the grace of God, here go I still. You have to have this industry, this, this uh, you know, one thing in God's creation. It's productive. It's active. Uh, then, then you can, once you begin to develop your own identity, your own personality in the kingdom, where you begin to understand your strengths and your, your fidelity with others, and this is how you develop your identity, is you begin to accept the identity of others and fellowship with that identity in a communion of righteousness, not a communion of covetousness, which is the way the world does it. Because your mind has been contaminated with the idea that all those things are okay. And that's what's brought you into bondage. So, in interacting in that community of righteousness, you don't have to go off and wear some special outfit or anything. You can do exactly what... I don't know what you're doing now. But you just start caring about others. Then you can get to that generativity stage instead of stagnation. You have to get to the point where you're caring about others as much as you as your kids are grown up and all this stuff, this is where you get to that that stage. And that's all a process. And then fi- finally, the last thing is integrity, he mentions, but he correlates it with wisdom. It comes because you go through this process of seeking. When Christ says, seek the kingdom of heaven, when John the Baptist says, seek the kingdom of heaven, don't do it by force. This is what John the Baptist, for those of you who may hear this for the first time, the whole world was using force. Socialism uses force. They're going to force, you know, the 1%, the 2%, the 10% to pay more in taxes so that we can have more benefits for the people down there on the bottom. I think it's great to take care of the people down there on the bottom, but I think you need to do it in a way that strengthens the poor. If you don't do it in a way that strengthens the poor, then you have Sodom and Gomorrah because that was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodomy was a symptom. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, says in the Bible, was in a time of affluence they did not strengthen the poor. They weakened the poor. That's why you see Baltimore, Chicago, all these cities doing what they're doing. is because they've been weakened by a social welfare system that is run by men who exercise authority one over the other. That's not that. You can't be a Christian and do that. You can't be a follower of the way. So this is what a voluntary society, they start to learn to do this in a way that strengthens one another. There's interactions. There's conflicts between us. But we have this goal of sticking it out to develop that trust and become a family of men and women. 
and righteousness. So the feasts, uh, like I say, you know, some people will come a little earlier. Some people will stay a little bit later. There's all kinds of work projects here. But uh, basically we have it here on the small acreage. We won't have it out on the church property uh, yet. But uh, uh, we have plenty of room. We have fields around to camp in. And uh, But you need to communicate with one another. If you're coming, you need to communicate through your minister. If your minister is not regularly on the call with the other ministers, then he's not doing his job. It's uh, because he is supposed to be that communication point. And the reason we're doing it that way and sticking that way is you will not always be able to call everybody. You will have to have an alternative network that isn't dependent on Google and Facebook. And, and uh, you know, I avoided Facebook at first because I could see that that can weaken us. And boy, it certainly has weakened people. It can be used for good. But you need to develop an independent network. And that's what the tens, hundreds, and thousands is. And so you need to communicate to your ministers. Everybody can't just call me. If you don't have a ministry, if you haven't sat down in the network, you're still welcome. But you need to contact somebody so that, you know, we're prepared. <laughs> and we shouldn't have to do hardly anything other than give you a spot to camp in. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, then you start working it out and finding out how things work. But uh, uh, we've actually had people show up at the last. Uh, they didn't. Even, they saw our signs when we had it out on, on another property out here in the high desert, and they saw our signs. And the first time I met them, they were in the chow line dishing up food. You know, salmon and whatever we had there at that particular time. And they're just dishing it up. And we said, so who are you? I've never seen you before. Where did you guys come from? And they didn't have a clue who we were. They just thought there was a free meal there. So they came. Well, I should have thrown them out on their ears. But I thought, like, I was just, just amazed that the people just came to get some sort of free lunch. Well, that's not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ came to give. Not to take. But he wants to give in a way that strengthens you. So anyway, we have lots to share. We can't cover it all in a single book or a single show. And so the idea is that you're coming. The people came and they blessed one another. It was actually the people came to sell stuff. Uh, we have rendezvous out in this country. Uh, people come and sell stuff and they make all their money at the rendezvous for the whole year and then they go home and they make other things out of, you know, being work and all this stuff. And, and then and they go home and they make blacksmith work and then they come and they sell it at the rendezvous. That's a little bit like the Levites and the, the Feast of Tabernacles. People came with commodities that they, you know, they produced olive oil or they produced uh, blankets or they produced tents or anything. It was a, a marketing time as well. But it was an interaction time. It was a time of independence. Everybody set up their own tent, brought their own food, and then developed their friendships. And this was really important. One of the people don't, many people don't realize that we talk about it. It was to meet other people. If you live and in, in that generativity is versus in Erickson's thing, stagnation. If you live only in your little community, 
Only in your little congregation. Only in your little tribe. That's not natural. That's going to create all kinds of genetic problems as your next generation comes along. And they're only in that tribe. So, Israel knew that they had to be not tens, but tens, hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, hundred thousands. If you did that, vaccinations would not, forced vaccinations would not be a problem for you. Um, forced uh, schooling. You know, it's illegal in many countries to teach your children at home. If you were in a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands, not of people ruling over you and setting policy for you, but people just coming to care because they care about your rights as much as they care about their own. This is a different spirit. The world that wants you to care about you. People think individualism is about selfishness. Individualism is about the choice not to be selfish. And that is what Christ was coming here to do. To give us the choice not to be selfish. To give life. To even lay down our own life. So that it would be life more abundant. Anyway, I recommend that anybody else who uh, hasn't heard some of the stuff that we do. Listen to Keys of the Kingdom on a regular basis. Listen to our audios. We cover lots of different subjects. Not just health. Uh, not just government, not just history, but aspects of the individual development. But like I say, this this is a walk alone together. And if you want to develop trust, you have to stay together to take that walk. And and you get to free speech, all that stuff, but you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. So until we meet again, may peace be be on your house and may God be with you. Join the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org and and uh, we'll hope to see you on the network. So I, uh, we'll try to pass this audio around to a lot of other people so that they get an opportunity to uh, see us because time may be short for a lot of people. Until then, God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.